Here we are. We're doing it. I feel like this is like our longest courtship. Aww. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think probably even before we actually started the podcast, we, we made a list of all the people we wanted on. Yeah, and there's like a top <laughs> five. There was a top like hundred, but there's really like a top five of the people we really, yeah. really wanted, and people that we were like, okay, I think we could do it. Like, I think yeah. we could invite this person on. And like, so, we, so we know. had Rich Roll, Darren Oline, and there was a third person on there. Aaron Ireland. Oh. Yo. <laughs> I was like, who? <laughs> That's so Eric. nice. I'm so flattered. Yeah. And I'm excited to finally be here chatting. We're yeah. doing it. It's great. It's great to have you. And truly, like, we're not obviously just blowing smoke. Like, it, it was something where we were like, this is someone that, you know, you're doing such amazing work. And we've always respected the way that you've just been, like, authentically yourself through the various iterations of Aaron Ireland. I mean, we can get into that through, through the conversation, but it's cool to have like been able to kind of be alongside your journey. I know you and Zach have, have, have uh, been friends and all of that and, but getting to know you through planted and like running and all that kind of yeah. stuff has been really cool. So. Well, thank you. And thank you for the invitations. And as I've mentioned, I've been struggling with a bad case of the mom brain and the entrepreneur yeah. brain. And there's been so much going on. I just, I sometimes feel like I'm less articulate and I was just kind of waiting for the right moment just to feel like I had the capacity to have a really great combo like this and and yeah it's just been a really busy year when you told me you were ready to come on the podcast i was like i remember where i was sitting i was sitting <laughs> sitting on the couch as so I much did. pressure this no. needs to be amazing and i texted dean i'm like she's in yeah and, and you're exactly who i was talking about <laughs> oh my gosh that's so cute oh but honestly, I feel like, I mean, we've we've been on sharing a path together for since the juice truck started. I feel like we've been partners in, in I want to say crime, but like the opposite of crime of like good, goodwill. <laughs> yes. What <laughs> like, is that called? We have been. I mean, we have the same business anniversaries. Yep. We met at the juice truck in Gastown. Yeah. Started our businesses. Yeah. I remember your Twitter because there was no Facebook or Instagram yet. <laughs> it was there was all like, about I was Twitter. Like, oh, it's Erin Ireland. She's pretty cool on Twitter. <laughs> She tweets all these like places to have brunch and yes. I'm gonna make a list and go to all these places and that was the focus. I was always thinking about the next tweet. Yeah. I remember you like tweeted you were coming to the juice truck and I was like, Aaron, Ireland's coming. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so cute. I remember coming and meeting you guys. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah was... I remember writing about it in Metro newspaper. Oh yeah, that, that was, was my gig at that, back in the day. That was big. That was big. My <laughs> one of my favorite we can kinda like reminisce on some early memories and then we'll we'll get into the the uh the, the meat of the sandwich, so per se. The well, vegan meat the of the sandwich. Meat, some, uh, <laughs> tofu. <laughs> some tofu of the Let's sandwich. Let's get into the tofu. One of my favorite ones, we early on in our, our businesses, we both did the Waldorf uh, food truck fest. And yes. it was just like beyond, Bonkers. beyond busy that we could possibly have predicted. Yeah, and it I, was. Thanks to you. You guys started that and it was... Just yeah. like 10,000 guests. It was crazy. In the parking lot. Yeah, and we had like no permits, no insurance. No <laughs> I mean, I mean, everything we do is kind of like yeah. crazy like that. But I remember like you did so wildly. Everyone did wildly well. And Aww. at the end of the event, you're like, can I count my money in your food truck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't have a tablecloth. Yeah. That was 14, 13 years ago. Yeah. 12 years 13, ago 2011 and I think yeah um yeah I don't think I was prepared it's wild but Everyone it was exciting out. like it was definitely one of those first events that kind of proved to me that 
my business could be viable and that people liked it. And it was like something that motivated me to keep going with my bakery business. Yeah, the, the beginning, the beginning. Okay, when I like reflect on the juice truck, the first couple of years were like the most, not to say it's not as fun now because it's fun in different ways, but uh, kind of those building years of like figuring out who we were and just like collaborating with everybody and meeting kind of the business community was kind of the most exciting time. Totally. And thank you for collaborating with me, even though my company wasn't vegan then. That's our only non-vegan product or collab to the state, which is so funny. Maybe you didn't even realize. No, we didn't realize because we weren't (laughs) consciously vegan. We were like, I was a vegetarian at the time. So that was kind of my like, my metric was like, okay, it doesn't have meat or fish in it. So that is good. I didn't really consider dairy or eggs or cheese as necessarily evils or bad things at the time oh, um, which we can get into yeah um we but yeah we were anything for those listening we had a, a banana <laughs> bread to to die for pre to live for <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when uh we did a banana bread to die for uh smoothie where we actually blended pieces of the <laughs> loaf no way and and it was so decadent and people I, went nuts sure? for it I think it sounds gross. <laughs> no, I think it a piece worked, of, It was though. like a thin piece of banana bread, yeah. like just added to the blender. We froze it, so it was like frozen, so it added to the consistency. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it. every smoothie that you have made has been delicious. Yeah. I'm like a regular customer. I love, I love all the products you guys put out there. So I'm, I'm sure it was delicious, but it's yeah, good. I don't People know. Yeah. Something about bread and smoothies. It seems a little, but you know, like I, sometimes I do like the, a scoop of like oats and it's yeah. like yeah. similar, right? It's it just true. like gives it that almost like creamy kind of like thicker texture. Yeah, true. I can see it being good. True. Yeah. If it blends, isn't that like a thing? I, yo, let's you know? go, right? Throw it in there. Throw it should in the we blender. do a vegan version? 2.0? Should we bring oh, it back? man, you know <laughs> what? Anniversary? Maybe when this drops or whatever, we can, I feel like, uh, we can, we can bring it back. I feel like the smoothie. people would want that. We need to do a poll. Banana bread smoothie. See if people feel okay with a little slice of banana bread in their smoothie. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I know I would. Yeah. I'd rather eat it toasted. The toasted. The, with okay, one so of your smoothies. I'm like the no-nut guy. So for me, it's the lemon loaf. But the toasted lemon loaf is... That just somehow takes it to the next level. Thank you. I feel like that's a lot of people's favorite. Like, it's not the best seller. The banana bread is definitely yeah. more widely... But that um, one... <laughs> Thank you. Hey everyone, just interrupting today's episode to share a bit about our sponsor. We are so happy to be partnering with AG1 because really taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last couple of years, we've been taking AG1 every day, no exception. It's simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And honestly, when I take it, it makes me feel energized, nourished, and ready to take on the day. And that's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. And honestly, that's why I love it. I like to drink AG1 first thing in the morning, which is recommended for optimal nutrient absorption. I fill up my shaker with some extra cold water and add one scoop of AG1. Shake it up and I'm ready to go. And even if I'm running short on time and can't mix up my AG1 before heading out, I'll grab one of the handy travel packs. Each is an individual serving of AG1 that's easy to mix on the go, helping ensure I get my daily nutrients no matter what. It makes it easy at home, at work. It's awesome. It's so good to have. 
simple habit that's good and good for you. And we're so happy to have AG1 as a partner because we really believe in their product and know that it works. Honestly, if there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership over your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five of those free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out. The banana bread. Okay, I'm just going to go back to the banana bread because yeah. that's my go-to. But toasted and still yeah. on that wave. Toasted with butter or ice cream oh. or peanut butter on it. Yeah. Even we made French toast out of it. Yes. Once. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. There's so many, so many ways you can just like. Yeah, have it. Yeah, it. pop it in the toaster. Could do waffle iron. Oh, I always used to say that I loved it with red wine. <laughs> it was like a special. It was like a oh, pairing. Yeah. It was like especially good. There was something that would happen in the mouth mm. when you have a little bite of banana bread and a yeah, little. I haven't done that for like a, dec- the, a decade. But brings out the notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tannins. Yeah. You can really taste the tannins. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So something wine, wine drinkers say. Okay, so but any red wine. But lots of people will say they'll have something. They'll have you know whether it's a meal or a dessert or something. And they'll be like, want to tell their friends about it. And be like, yo, this pie, this meal, this thing at this restaurant, whatever it is, this banana bread is life changing. <laughs> but in your case. Uh, your banana bread was kind of life-changing, wasn't it? Mm, thank you. Like for, I, for, for many people who've had it and been like, yo, this is so good and it's vegan, like what? Mm-hmm. But also like it's kind of the the the, the launch to your story. It, it is for yeah. sure. So how, I, did, how did a slice of banana bread like change everything for you? Oh, well, I was working in broadcasting. I started out wanting to be a sports broadcaster, then realized I was not into hockey or football enough um, to really follow that path. Um, And I started working on a really small, really local entertainment news magazine show where I was hosting the show and interviewing like smaller local celebrities or musicians traveling to town. And I all then I realized I also didn't really care too much about (laughs) some of some of these topics. At least it wasn't in my my passion, but there were certain interviews mainly with local chefs or celebrity chefs where I found the conversation just flowed so naturally and I really came to life and Twitter was my focus back in the day as well and one day I remember somebody called me out and said all you do is talk about food and this is before I'd really embraced that and kind of embarked on my career as a food writer slash food reporter and at first I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're right. I'm so obsessed with food. But then I realized that I needed to embrace that. And I, I really could do that with my career. So I kind of quit everything and started um, focusing on food writing. I got a job writing a weekly uh, restaurant review column and then a monthly magazine column. And I started appearing on local news, CTV and Urban Rush, talking about local food events and my favorite restaurants. Um, but I wasn't making a lot of money. <laughs> As a young broadcaster, I, I was literally living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and, you know, from time to time, I would need a gift for someone. And the most thoughtful, least expensive gift I could give was baking. Mm. And I I just always seemed to have ripe bananas on hand. 
and the other ingredients needed to make this banana bread. And it was a recipe that I'd grown up with, but a recipe that I tweaked so much that I really made it my own. And I also topped it with macadamia nuts and some chocolate. And I added like extra vanilla, extra cinnamon, quite a bit of extra salt. I really like things sweet and salty. Um, And so I started giving it away to people. And I was also really... um, really social at the time going to all the media events and really like felt grateful to be getting to know local broadcasters and so everybody kind of started talking about this banana bread like it kind of became a joke I was known as the person who might have banana bread in her purse and so I literally was bringing it to events and at the time it was just kind of funny for me it wasn't even a business and I didn't even picture being a bakery owner never did I really picture that it was just kind of funny and cool and I always love sharing good food so I would just be passing this banana bread out and then it just continued to get buzzed and so I realized I better test this out and so I did this little bake sale where I had a, um, a google form up and I took some orders and I had to close the order form because I had over 30 uh, orders for loaves of banana bread and I was obviously doing this in my home kitchen and so I, I baked like all day and much later into the night than I expected I never baked that many loaves at a time and then I set up I set up shop at this pickup location and everybody came and everybody paid $20 a loaf which is quite expensive for 14 years ago yeah. they were big loaves but um And then the feedback was great and everybody kept asking for it. And so that's really how it started. So then I eventually, um, there was a cafe owner in my neighborhood who who had heard about it and asked if he could carry it. And it was called Commune Cafe on the corner of Seymour and Nelson. And I lived a block away from that cafe at the time. Do you? Yeah. I went. I remember going for like brunch there because it was one of the places that you really? talked about in your tweets. I love that. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> so anyways, I made a loaf a day in my home, home, tiny 500 square foot apartment, kitchen. I never even thought to like mass produce, which yeah. would have been four loaves at a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would deliver it every day. I just walk over there and give it to them. And I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about ingredient costing. Um, and yeah, that was my first customer. And then I got another request from Milano Coffee Roasters, who is to this day still one of my biggest customers. They, they carried at all their locations. And then Ethical Bean requested to carry it. So it just kind of went like that. And then it finally got to the point where I realized that I needed to kind of make this legit and I needed to get a co-packer. So I looked around for a co-packer and um, found one. And so finally got it out of my tiny uh, apartment kitchen, which had kind of taken over our lives for the year that I made (laughs) it there. Like I was scared too. I knew I shouldn't be doing that, but I was always careful. And um, so yeah, I got a co-packer and... Had a bit of a, a business scare right. with that co-packer. Yeah, is this something you can talk about? I mean, I guess. There's less lessons to be learned from all the uh, right. all the hiccups we have along the way, right? No doubt. Oh, yeah. Well, the biggest lesson I learned was that it was a really great idea to have a confidentiality agreement with the recipe, even though like months prior to this, uh, this whole thing starting, I'd been on television on Urban Rush talking about the banana bread I'd been on breakfast television talking about the banana bread. Like it wasn't, people knew that this was my banana bread. But anyways, um, went into this, um, this partnership and in the end it didn't go so well. And this person then threatened, um, I, I guess I shouldn't go into details. I don't know. I'm still, I'm so weird. Um, there there was some disagreement. 
Yeah, like basically they were saying that it was like a joint recipe that they had helped in the development of it, but there had been no change to the recipe. And and, and in fact, I had asked them to sign an NDA just because I didn't want anyone to steal my recipe. And um, and luckily I still had that NDA. <laughs> I'd held on to it. And so in the end, it saved me. Yeah. And, um, and I found a new co-packer. And so I would go in there and I would train that business's baker how to make the bread. And I was the delivery person. So I was delivering to the growing number of cafes at that time. Artigiano had signed on. So I was starting to get some even bigger clients who had more locations and uh, urban fair, a grocery store. And yeah, it just kind of went like that. And it wasn't vegan at the time. So I actually got to a point where... Well, I had, I, I kind of started my vegan journey and I got to the point with the business, which was then called To Die For Fine Foods, where I wasn't really promoting it. I didn't really feel comfortable because, you know, it, my banana bread had animal pro- products in it. And I think by that time I'd launched the Lemon Loaf, which was the second product. So it was just kind of floating along, you know, like I had one baker, I'd finally hired a delivery person, um... And yeah, I didn't know the direction it was going to go. I didn't know if I was going to close it down. Um, and yeah, then then I eventually realized that I needed to change the recipe and move forward with the vegan recipe mm. because I did have so many wholesale vendors at the time and it did get such good feedback. And I was, I was loving that career path. Like broadcasting was, I was kind of shifting the focus to the bakery. Um, I was still working in broadcasting, but yeah, everything was kind of like shifting. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I could just imagine being like your neighbor in that apartment. And being like, <laughs> smelling so good every all day the time. be like, what is happening there? <laughs> the whole floor probably yeah, smells. Right? People were really wondering what I was doing, bringing home 40 pound boxes of bananas. <laughs> yeah. I was always like, oh, who is in like, the wow, elevator with me? Probably some <laughs> like monkey jokes or yeah. like. I really Apart- love bananas. Yeah. <laughs> Apartment three A. Freeze them all yeah. every every week. Forty pounds. Curious George living with you or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 so funny, but so interesting too, right? That like uh, you had this idea. I think many people can resonate. Like, okay, here's my career. Here's what I'm gonna do, and then either like a hobby or a passion can like all of a sudden grab us seemingly out of nowhere and kind of change the whole script, like change the story, the purpose, the direction of our lives. And like, I think it's so cool that you found alignment with like not only baking and doing that through this kind of just kind extension of the generosity that you have to like share something with someone in a meaningful way. And then discovering like, oh, I can do this on mass and like maybe make some money and like, you know, meet a need for people who want something oh, delicious totally. and then to go as you said i, w- I want to hear about like the the kind of impetus into your journey towards veganism mm-hmm. and then how that you know brought you to this point in in the business where you're like okay now what do we stop or do we shift mm-hmm. so what brought what brought you into veganism like what was the kind of path that started getting you to where you are now yeah um it all started as i was working as a food reporter and i was really starting to see um some traction with my work like I was starting to notice like after my restaurant review article would be published the next day I would get all these tweets and I guess maybe Instagram was <laughs> had launched at the time but I'd hear from people they had tried my recommendation they'd gone to try that steak sandwich you know and and that was growing and so I I started realizing that I was having an impact but I really didn't know anything about the industries that I was essentially promoting um 
And so I started watching documentaries and reading books and I was just so shocked at what I discovered. You know, like my whole life I had almost identified as like a carnivore. Like I definitely was and I was an omnivore, but uh, grew up with a father who if he wasn't a physiotherapist, he would have been a butcher. Like we had red meat all the time, animal products at every meal. Um, so I never ever considered that and I always just figured that the animal agriculture industries were fine and dandy. You know, so many of us support them, eat their foods every day, they eat everything, it must be fine. Um, and then you found yourself, I, I, I like this part of your story so I'm just gonna kind of interject and kind of <laughs> you like. You know my story, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just kind of direct uh, where we go a little bit. A lot of some people don't know that you were a a college athlete, university athlete in the states. Yeah, Div one school. Yeah, playing volleyball. Yeah. So like, I, I remember seeing a picture of you having like a big steak, like <laughs> like uh, oh, yeah. before a volleyball game or something like that. So maybe like just to kind of, I think we'll we'll jump all over the place a little bit. But to, yeah. while we're telling your story, I think it will be interesting to kind of share how you went from like a Div one athlete on a a carnivore diet or not a carnivore diet but like a meat, meat forward a meat diet forward yeah for pro protein i'm doing like uh air, air quotations or whatever protein because that's what we thought we had to eat to get I protein as, as athletes to getting to a place just kind of following your journey i felt like when you were like getting curious was when you gave your ted talk about being a flexitarian yes and then or that maybe that was um the pet Pechacucha. Yeah. And then the TED Talk, I was pretty much vegan, but I was kind of undercover vegan because it took a while to label myself. My, yes. my transition was gradual for sure. Yeah. Um, and in the TED Talk, I do reference some like food industry good guys, including some non vegans, which I'd probably edit if yes. I redid that TED, <laughs> TEDx talk. Um, but yeah. So maybe, maybe take that's us, how it started. Take us through being like mm -hmm. a, a Div 1 athlete your focus on like how you needed to nourish yourself, some of that experience and, I, and coming back to, to Canada after, you know, kind of living that, that athlete life. I mm. wish that I had had somebody in my life uh, who had just a tiny bit of nutrition education <laughs> because I knew nothing. I, w I knew nothing and I was really into the fitness side of my sport. Um, so I was in South Carolina and I, um, I was the strongest girl on my volleyball team. Like that was my favorite thing. The weight room was my favorite thing. I was not the best volleyball player, but the weight room was my happy place. And I just always thought that the more animal protein you eat, the better, the more muscles you're going to build. Um, and so I kind of tried to fuel myself primarily with meat. And a funny memory that I have is really never, ever being able to imagine what it would feel like to be full. So even after a big, a big meat forward meal, I did not feel full. I was insatiable. Mm. And I mean, you know, in our preseason, we were doing three a days and, you know, two a days in the spring season. Obviously, there was like a huge energy output, but it just didn't make sense that I was constantly hungry. Like I remember making myself like massive three tier sandwiches with fried eggs and cold cuts and I, I would go to my first class and I would eat it in my first class. Like even though I'd had a big breakfast, I would be so hungry before 10 a.m. that I would eat this sandwich and I would sometimes eat whole rotisserie chickens for dinner. 
I would go to Walmart. I also had no money. <laughs> I, was, I think my parents were sending me $100 a month and I couldn't work down there obviously, so yeah. I had no money. I would go to Walmart and I would buy 100 grams of um, ham, like deli ham, like a class, a carcinogen. And I, I, I wish I knew. Um, and so I, I don't think I was fueled properly because now flash forward, I mean, I eat big portions, big plant-based portions, uh, mostly whole food plant-based and I am totally satisfied. I am getting my nutrition. I'm getting what my body needs. And I think I, I, I have more energy now than I did back then. It's amazing. Hey, isn't it wild? Mm. Yeah. It's really, it was too bad that, um, there weren't more registered dietitians or nutritionists who yeah. like knew their stuff. I mean, even to this day, so many of them are following the Canada guideline and, you know, they're influenced by certain biases mm-hmm. You know, and I I love people like Desiree Nielsen and Matthew Negra, who are Dr. Greger, who have these um, platforms and they're sharing such great, you know, evidence based science um, nutrition info. And I just wish I had come across someone like that back in the day because I loved meat. I definitely loved eating it. but I think if someone had presented that info to me, I would have been open because of how I felt, mm-hmm. which was constantly hungry. So your kind of gateway into into the plant-based living, was it the, the health aspect? Was it the animal aspect? Was it um, the environmental aspect? Like, was there kind of a, a gateway that you're like, okay, this is worth exploring? Was it with yourself first or about animals or what was kind of the, the first impetus towards giving it a try? It was about animals and I actually don't remember what really motivated me to watch the documentary Earthlings. Um, I had watched Forks Over Knives years previously, previous to that. Um, I think my mom like suggested we watch it even though she was definitely not even close to vegetarian either. But Um, I was pretty blown away by what I saw in Forks Over Knives. So that planted a seed, but I was definitely not even like planning on going plant-based at the time. And when I watched Earthlings, like that just blew me away. Like I never realized how our entire world uses animals for so many different, uh, in so many different ways and in so many different industries. Mm -hmm. And just to really see them, like really see them like in the factory farms, in the labs, in the circuses, you know, in those pre-circus training sessions, like seeing what they do to animals is so, so sad. And, um, you know, I think I always considered myself an animal lover. Uh, I never realized that I was probably just a pet lover. (laughs) You know, I just love my dog. And, um, but, but also, you know, if I had seen a cow walking down the street, I would have, I would have been so interested and I would have wanted to go over and pet that cow and, I would be concerned for that cow, you know, like, where's the cow going to go? And if someone had said, oh, let's get him back to the slaughterhouse, you know, I, I think I would have fought for that cow and maybe made some connections. Um, so the film Earthlings really opened that up for me and just kind of encouraged me to read more. And I read the book, The Pro- Project Animal Farm. Oh, yeah. So eye-opening about this woman who, it's a true story. She goes around the world and enters farms and um, she's not vegan at all. Um, And she describes what she sees and she was just blown away by these secret 
you know, the, the secret world that so many of us don't see. I mean, there's a reason why the farms are not in cities. The slaughterhouses aren't in cities and the slaughterhouses don't have glass walls because if, if, if most of us saw it, we would never support these industries. Um, it's true. Like you take your kids to the strawberry patch or to go pick blueberries, but you wouldn't take them to the slaughterhouse no. to go get their chicken or their their steak or no. And I think most of bacon. us would agree that food production should not um, have a trigger warning. You know, mm. it shouldn't have a disturbing content warning, which it does. I mean, if there are any clips on the news or. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to see. I mean, most people look away. Most people, I think, feel that ignorance is bliss and they'd rather not know. But I, I do believe in the goodness of people. And, and if they knew, I think they would be shocked to their core. And that's what I was like it. And so that's why it propelled me to do more than just be vegan. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, not eating animals isn't even necessarily a compassionate choice. It's just a decent choice. Like if you were, if you put animals in the place of humans, would we consider not eating or killing a human compassionate? No, it's just decent. It's just, you know, it's the baseline. It's like, of course, we're not going to kill that sentient mm. creature, that, that individual. Um, so that's how I started to see animals. I think that's one of the things like you mentioned if you saw a cow on its own you would you'd be curious to where it's going and you'd want to see the cow. I think when we like individualize animals then I think most people are compassionate and decent. But I think when we stop seeing them as individuals, individual sentient beings then then we just see it's like the for the trees for the forest, you know, once you just see it as a group of other then totally. it's like okay well those cows over there that i don't see there's no connection to them individually you just see them as a group and it's like uh, you start to um make reasons why it's okay because there's no connection you know like it's Absolutely. so we're so removed from the process because you don't see it and we see pictures of happy cows and happy pigs and all of this stuff well, that we think it's marketing. normal natural what are the necessary what are necessary it's like okja Yes. Like watching Okja. I mean, it's such a great film and like easy to watch, right? Like no graphic content. Is it a cartoon? It's, uh, it's, it's like half it's cartoon. Like, uh, animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that one? Okja? No. It's like a Korean... Uh, it's got it's, a, like I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's in it or something. Really? Or, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I forget. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's on it's like Netflix, a, and it it could be for children. Yes. But and adults, like I cried watching it. It's so emotional and basically follows the journey of like this sci-fi. girl. She has a like a an animal that she cares for, and he's like a like a type pig, of cow like pig, pig oh, like okay. cow thing i don't know it's a fantastical animal in this world yeah, yeah 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 and so she that that's her best friend and then he gets caught up in he gets caught by a farmer or yeah he he get he basically ends up at the slaughterhouse and you see him in line and it's like he's that individual in that mass of other animals where you know someone has connected with him and so we care about him we don't care about anyone else but you or care like, about him it's like babe or free willy yes, you know like yes. cared so much about babe yes we all watch those movies <laughs> i think yeah. i mean you know there's that quote if you were cheering for babe or bambi like you understand veganism because yeah. that that is it you know if you were the type to save a snail who's crossing the sidewalk you know there's no reason to go buy meat which mm. is essentially you're funding the 
the killing of of a beautiful creature that we would all we would all love to to meet you know at a sanctuary and that's i think a great way to maybe start your vegan journey is to go meet the animals like go see just how stunning they are and how they make eye contact mm. you know like they are fully sentiment they have so much more in common with us you know than we think yeah. so there's some just i mean wherever you're listening to this if you look up uh, animal sanctuaries you can often go instead of taking your kids to a zoo or yes. or yourself going to like a zoo or something like that for or entertainment or an aquarium or something like that if you look up animal sanctuaries there's some here i don't know if you want to give shouts to, to yeah some. like i think the closest one to vancouver is happy the happy herd and they do you just sign up for a tour and then there's little oink pig bank they have moved to the okanagan they used to be in alder grove as well um home for hooves and duncan right. uh yeah there are a lot of good ones oh my gosh i remember being over at your your old house one time and <laughs> someone brought like that was opening a sanctuary brought like a yes. baby goat over with yeah. like a diaper on yeah yeah <laughs> that goat slept in our room that night and That's it was weird. not a good night <laughs> but we i mean i was trying to make him as comfortable as possible yeah, yeah chi chi farm sanctuary yeah. near nelson bc that's, that's where right. that little oh, goat yeah. was from and that goat had been um, abandoned an house. you never know right <laughs> <laughs> i know well we were we were i mean it, it it we wanted people to connect with this yeah. animal i remember my non-vegan na- neighbors came over and i was like maybe maybe they'll see this guy and like you know not want to buy lamb mm-hmm. at easter um but this this little guy had been um abandoned by his mom or his mother had died i i forget so he was being cared for by the humans I don't know what happened to that sanctuary. I know. They, the family split up and yeah, I think the animals were dispor- dispersed to other sanctuaries, but it was okay. beautiful. It's nice to spend some time with that little baby. Yeah, baby. he was so cute. There's nothing more gentle than a, there's no creature more gentle than a baby lamb. Yeah, a lamb. Yeah. It's so funny, like before <laughs> I was uh, vegan, like lamb was like my favorite Me thing to eat. And I didn't even like associate it with a as a baby, I was just yeah. like, yes. it's more decadent, it's like yes. more tender. Yeah. Did you even realize that it was a baby sheep? No. Because yeah. I think that the word veal and yes. veal as a product is kind of Whenever I saw veal, I'm, like, I'm getting that. Because I was like, it's so tasty. <laughs> you did? Yeah. I always got veal. Really? Before I was a vegan. Oh, oh wow. God, I, thought, I didn't know you were going to say that. No, so I know. Because I was like, oh, I would always, I would always feel like, oh, veal not is veal. like that. It's like not even socially acceptable. I yeah. think to, I go. think people just <laughs> <There we go. laughs> like even okay. even uh, meat eaters like most of them are like, ew, veal. That's what I think is like the kind of too. norm. Not like, oh, veal. I'll make you feel better though. You don't I mean, have to. It's okay. It, <laughs> No, no, no. I, I ordered veal once as well. And I think um, I didn't even know the translation of it. I was yeah. in Italy and oh. I believe I ordered mm-hmm. the veal, but it wasn't the word. So huh. the server I remember was so rude to me and gave me a bad look. And I was like, what's the matter? Like, I'm trying something new. I'm in a new country. It's cultural. Yes. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I had the, I think I had the veal no, there. Yeah. But there's, I mean, people don't realize that lamb is veal. I d- it's I d- the same thing. I, I didn't mean, make the connection. I was just like, it's tasty meat. I had it once. It was like awesome buco or something also buco and i which i think is veal i don't know and i was like i'll have i'll have that again isn't it bone marrow some oh gosh, yeah I yeah i think so yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> i think it's like a dish like yeah a, also like, a, like 
with with marrow i think there yeah. We go. That yeah was, that was that was my jam which is back in the day but it, I, is, it I, is interesting how sorry to interrupt you oh no it's okay but i was just gonna share something disgusting oh well, go ahead Let's do it. i ate sheep brain soup sheep, sheep brain i tried cow's tongue wow like i was that person who yeah, was like yeah, it's yeah. cultural i've got to do it to respect the culture and yeah. then i heard something um there is no excuse for violence culture mm. is not an excuse for violence um so yeah that really kind of i was like wow you're right like there are other ways of experience culture mm. i don't have to try this um it was uh i was in croatia or the czech republic trying the sheep brain soup but i ate the whole bowl well that's a common wow. that's a common thing because people say okay well it's cultural or it's a family recipe or i don't want to upset my grandma mm. or something because it's family tradition to have these things um, yeah so can i say one thing yeah yeah please. when it comes to um the culture thing the one the, the one group that i will never asked to go vegan um, are indigenous peoples because I feel like they're in an absolute different category and they did things differently it was about survival and you know for and it's a different relationship to land and animals too with most indigenous populations it's not like as exploitive as factory farming yeah it's just not something I'm ever gonna I'm never gonna go there yeah well I, I think that's like a that's like an interesting thing because I I've thought about that often is like the interconnectedness like that indigenous communities have is there's such a you like they see the animal for the animal like for what it is in its entirety right and there is that kind of connection of like we're going to help and we want to preserve and thrive because we're not above this system we're part of it part of it and if the system suffers we suffer like that's such a beautiful way of knowing that like colonialism i think is really like well it did it tried to extinguish mm -hmm. and it's I don't think it's a leap to say that the modern Western industrial food system, all encompassing, is a is a direct result of like those colonial mindsets of like exploit and extract for profit as the number one. And in health of humans and animals and planet, like who cares? Because how can we make the most money off of the backs of anything and everything and everyone? Oh, yeah. And like to have a more indigenous perspective, I think, would do the world so much more good. They they can teach us so much. Right. And I think that they could solve <laughs> all the world's problems if we if we mm. listen to them. And I read this book, one of my favorite books of all time called Five Little Indians. Oh, yeah. And there is a scene where um, she describes an indigenous woman killing a rabbit and she said she almost killed the rabbit lovingly and you know I I I would find that very hard to see and I don't like the thought of I don't I don't like the thought of any animal being killed but um but yeah it's very different mm -hmm. and you know the way I don't think you would ever describe the killing of an animal in the animal agriculture system um in that same way no, so night no. and day yeah which is interesting because like it, it posits a curious perspective like to move forward to say if there's like some sort of middle ground because like we all know that not everyone is going to go vegan and like to expect the whole planet just to change is probably it's not going to happen right mm -hmm. no matter what kind of publicity and game changers and all the docs and all the books and people and all of that but to invite people to consider a more uh, like holistic care for self planet 
animal way like it could be a huge step forward in minimizing and mm -hmm. mitigating like the way that the system exploits and creates and raises animals in a way that is just so brutal and there is zero love zero connection zero respect even for these beings and it's just like mass produced for profit mm -hmm. i wonder like if there's a if there's a step towards a more compassionate approach even in that it's, it's really it's really interesting that you say that because um there is this kind of moment on my vegan journey that kind of changed everything for me um so I had gone vegan myself. I was eating fully plant-based and I was still working as a food reporter and I wasn't as convicted as I am now. And so I was still kind of on my journey and I started this project called <laughs> Truly Ethical BC. Mm. And I did this project with a colleague and we both thought, you know, factory farms are horrible. There is a better way. Let's shine a light on farms that are doing it better for those people who do care and they want to get their animal products from a better place. Mm -hmm. And so we visited farms. Like we went, we visited a pig farm, we visited a chicken farm. Ironically, we couldn't go visit the chickens because of course they were in a shed with no sunlight, never allowed outside, biosecurity. So that was a little bit eye-opening. We're like, wow, this farm is supposedly the best in British Columbia and these animals don't get to see the sun. So, and these were SPCA certified farms. So we were kind of using the SPCA's list um, to help guide us. Uh, we went to another farm um, called Urban Digs, met the pigs. And I, so these animals were, you know, living a more natural lifestyle, mainly outside. At least the cows were and the pigs were, they were eating grass. And um, I posted about this project on Instagram. It was a picture of me and my colleague, and we were in front of a barn, and we were proud to promote this product, thinking we we're doing this good thing. And um, and there was a comment somebody made that totally just changed my life. And they said there is no ethical way to kill someone who doesn't want to die. And you know, my vegan journey had been short up until that point, And I never really heard that phrase. And I just froze mm. and realized how right they were like to picture killing someone who doesn't want to die. <laughs> and that person was Zoe. I think it's um, a great testament too to speaking up you know I think there's a way to do it I think mm -hmm. we can do it respectfully mm -hmm. and in a way that will make people think and so from then on I was like forget this <laughs> I'm gonna put my energy into vegan stuff you know and you know maybe that is better than factory farming but it's not sustainable it's not it's not um it's not affordable for most people. You know, factory farming is very, um, it's efficient, right? Like mm -hmm. that's how people are getting their cheap meat. That is what's quote unquote feeding the world. Um, so anyways, I then at that point just put all my energy and effort into plant-based mm -hmm. food promotion. Cool. Well, I think there's those like uncomfortable truths in life that we hear and we can ignore them and be ignorantly blissful or if we do listen to them and and embody what we are learning it's almost impossible not to to go back and and i think if you like you can see the hypocrisy once we start to accept it as a better way of being to say an animal can live if it lives a good pasture raised life then like you said like it's never okay to 
kill something that doesn't want to die. If we if we change the being to a dog or a human, a dog or a human, it becomes yes. very clear the, yes. the moral ethics of the decision. If you're like, well, you know, Tommy had a good life. He grew up on a farm and got <laughs> to play freely whenever he wanted and got lots of sunshine and ate organic food and had little brothers and sisters that, you know, was with his mom and dad and he was so happy. But um, just one bad day, Tommy. Yeah, it's just one bad day. Yeah. That's what they all say. Yeah. Just one bad day. So when you change the 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 individual from something that we've deemed commodified, deemed an item versus an individual to a, a child or a dog, a dog. Or, or a cat or a, you know something that we have a family connection to, it becomes very clear on what we're okay or not okay with. So it's like that account Elwood's. Oh yeah, the the dog meat. The dog meat farm. <laughs> Have you seen this, Dean? I don't know. Oh, oh yes. It's like yeah, a yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a parody yeah. account, yes, but yes, it, they, not everybody knows that it's knows that it's a parody. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I mean, it's just um, it's an Instagram account. Um, run by a vegan activist and basically pretending they have this dog meat farm and so they're posting about their golden retriever bacon or their Rottweiler steaks and the comments like people are outraged and apparently this girl gets death threats people are leaving voicemails they're so upset and she shares them because it's just so ironic that we're so mad we're Mm -hmm. so upset about you know what's supposedly being done to these dogs yet this is happening en masse like by the million every single day to other animals who are even smarter than dogs just as sentient as dogs you know love the same things as dogs um no but nobody bats an eye so I think I think it can be eye-opening I actually joined them or I showed up to one of their um activist events in Toronto once and they were offering samples of what they said was dog meat (laughs) it was actually vegan meat and some people most people turned it away then they said oh no thank you and then they were passed a flyer um the Elwood's flyer which is very cleverly written but some people actually tried it (laughs) it was like me back in the day being trying trying new foods and trying to be open to new new foods I mean I was the same when I traveled when I was younger like really I don't even want to list all the tell tell me Like, I think I ate, like, guinea pigs in Peru. Mm. I ate llamas. Like... uh, I ate pigeon ones. Just wherever I was. I'm like, oh, well, this is different than home. I should try it. Yeah. 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 On that (laughs) thing, I I saw one that was, like, dog milk. People were, like... It was just normal, like, soy milk or something like that. But they were telling them it was dog milk and seeing people's reactions. Like, just how comfortable we are having, like, milk from a cow's udder that's, like, intended for a calf versus, like... Even if, like, you know, we would offer human breast milk, people would be more weirded out than by that. Than, yeah. Uh, they were selling human breast milk in New York to bodybuilders for, like, $100 per, like, liter? Yeah. Or was it even less probably, than that? Probably less, less than that, than that. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, cook. I think a lot of guys won't even try their wife's breast milk. Yeah. Like, Darren went. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to get, like, Shout super jacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, yeah, it's funny that we would say, like, you would think that's weird. Like mm-hmm. from even from your partner, like that you'd be like, oh, n- no, thanks. Right. And yet, like almost unthinkingly, like, you know, most people would be like, if you saw a cow, if you saw me like you wouldn't you wouldn't just be like, mm, yeah, you know, I'm thirsty. Yeah. yeah, it would be a really awkward thing you'd to be like. What's up, what's up with Zach? Always oh, sucking on that cow cow teeth. It's like same as a guy drinking a glass of milk. But it's like the milk of, from thousands of cows. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mixed with other 
really repulsive things because a certain amount of pus is allowed in every gallon of milk sold. Like this is yeah. on the government website, a certain number of somatic cells. Somatic means it's indi indicative of infection, which is pus. Like this is allowed and blood as well. Like there's, I mean, these poor creatures, so many of them have mastitis and mm -hmm. their, their teeth. Yeah. I don't know. Udders, Their udders are yeah. like in pain. They are bleeding. They are, um, I mean, milked mul multiple times a day. And it's just hard to imagine what their bodies go through. I really, I really wish that more people realized how cruel the dairy industry is because I think it's uh, much worse than the meat industries. I mean, in the meat industry, the beef cows, they're about six months old when they're slaughtered and they are still babies. Like they're six months old. They're not their full their full weight um but the the dairy cows you know they are tortured their entire lives they have this cycle of being forcibly artificially inseminated go through the nine-month pregnancy same gestation as us they give birth to their baby and that baby is taken away within 24 hours after birth you know carted away sometimes still wet with the afterbirth and that mom is left alone and and they are very maternal like they some of the videos of of moms with their newborn babies licking them and some of them running after their babies like these videos are just so hard to watch yeah. um and to think of that baby's future you know if he's a if he's a boy he will be slaughtered for veal so that's another thing i wish people knew is the veal industry or i wish i i had known this growing up the veal industry is the dairy industry like they are one and the same and they they cannot exist without one another and then if the baby is a girl, she will be raised and as soon as she she can, she will be artificially inseminated and she will become a dairy cow. And, you know, those poor animals, when their bodies are spent and when they're not as profitable and they're not producing as much milk, they are going to be sent to the same slaughterhouse that their babies were sent to. And they are going to be turned into cheap ha hamburger meat. So, I mean, can you imagine your entire life of pain and, and misery and sadness and then going to that slaughterhouse? I mean, there's really there's really nothing worse than that. That's terrible. There's um, that YouTube Dairy is Scary. Mm -hmm. That's a good one for people to check out. I, I mean, I was the same. I thought when I went vegetarian, you know, no animals are getting killed if I don't eat the actual flesh of right. the animal. And it wasn't until similar time to yourself I think we were like messaging each other a lot and being curious together and started to like relearn the things that made me vegetarian and I was like oh god like dairy cheese eggs like there's there's more cruelty in these industries like it's almost like the easy way out to be the six-month-old male cow that absolutely gets turned into a steak I'd mm. rather be a beef cow yeah than a dairy cow any day I also would not want to be an egg-laying hen no because, I mean, when their bodies are spent, they're ground up. They're ground up alive. They're just thrown into a shredder. Like for dog meat, it's, it's crazy. They're just used and abused. They're, they're used for a very short period of time. And, I mean, they are genetically bred um, to such a degree that um, they are laying eggs at an unnatural rate. I mean, in nature, they might lay 15 eggs a year. But in this industry where we have, you know, altered their genetics, they're laying an egg a day. Mm. So can you imagine what that takes from the body like the nutrients that are required uh, it just depletes your body and they're unable to regain any of those nutrients a lot of chickens will eat the their eggs to regain some of those nutrients um so yeah because an egg i mean tell me if i'm wrong or, or correct this it's the it's the cycle for the 
female chicken, right? Yeah, I think I think it's I don't it, like a lot of people say it's a chicken period. Yeah, it's yeah part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just if you think that you're not going to want eggs. No, so. no, I know, I know. I, I really that should be advertised more. <laughs> it's a bodily fluid, like it's a secretion. Yeah, even those words that like hasn't been just, fertilized by a male chicken. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so animal, animal ethics, love for animals, that was kind of an entry point. And then I think one of the areas of your activism that is so cool is the physical portion. So you're this this Div 1 volleyball athlete who I've been, I've heard had equal skills in basketball. <laughs> True? I True? don't know. Maybe? I used to love basketball. Like, that was my first sport, and I always thought that that would be the f- sport that I would continue in. Um, but yeah, I just ended up loving volleyball more and may, had that opportunity. May have heard from some sources that you're even better at basketball. No, <laughs> I don't no. think so. We're gonna have like a little more good like bump competition. Little, little, or yeah, we got some, 21 horse, some, some pod, some pod alumni that are that are hoopers too. So. Annual party. Yeah, <laughs> right. Get a court coming soon. Let's do it. So you know, you go from that into continuing athletics. Um, most recently in running. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of our conversations over the past decade have either been going for runs on the trail or the seawall or up the grass grind. I love that you got into running because when we met and when we went to India together, yes, you were not at all running. Yeah. I'm not running right or, now. I'm just injured. I'm not running as much either. <laughs> I'm working out at the bakery, but, just walking uh, around. Yeah. But I mean, to go, not to be negative, but that's where like a lot of our connections, same for myself with Dean and, and other people that I love, it was through movement, through running, through hiking. Mm-hmm. We'd have these long form conversations that were like mini podcasts on our own. The best chats. Talk about business, life, travel. That's what I love about trail running because they are generally longer runs. Yes. Um, I'll never go alone. Yeah. Like I always want to go with someone and have a good chat just, and just being in the forest it just does something to your brain you know so, yeah you kind of get addicted to the to how you feel and the conversation and all that oh but absolutely all of that aside you know you were doing this running on a vegan diet yeah. and you were really proving what was possible as a a you know vegan athlete but also someone that was like you know a fairly young mom and kind of kicking everyone's butts. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, I've always felt, well, I felt motivated uh, by my veganism to do well in, in trail running. Um, Cause it's just so sad that people think that you're, you might not be able to succeed or build muscle or whatever on a plant-based diet. I mean, go watch Game Changers. <laughs> you know, at one point, the strongest man in the world was vegan. The top endurance runner was vegan. All of these top athletes, so many of them have, some of them have hidden that they have a plant-based diet because they feel it gives them a competitive edge and they don't want their mm-hmm. competition to know because <laughs> right. you're recovering faster. You have lower inflammation. It's better on so many levels. Um, so yeah, I do feel like that's motivated me a lot and I did um, I feel like well thanks to you you introduced me to someone who really kind of um, like helped me get into that sport you and Andrea Lawson Andrea and Lawson <laughs> so yeah, funny we, I was looking at her Instagram last night and I was like man, I haven't seen Andrea in a while 
I haven't either. Well, she left us for Squamish, so. Yes, I know. <laughs> I want to get out there it's a more. nice place. It's a nice place. So, yeah, I because I, I feel like trail running, too, you have to be a bit comfortable with navigation. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. I feel like I was always scared to go on the trails alone. I used to go in high school, actually, when I was just young and dumb and didn't even realize that there might be wild animals or weirdos <laughs> or my mom would make me carry maize. There's um, a vegan. Leave me alone. Yeah. I'm on your side. I yeah. advocate for you. But anyways, I would, Andrea was always running and she was so kind to invite me. So I really got into it uh, with her and got into these longer runs. Like back in the day, I never would have imagined going on a, you know, two hour run or five hour run, but that kind of became the norm. And, um, and yeah, it was fun. Like I started doing some races and I was, I was so excited because I hadn't raced anybody. So I really wasn't sure where I'd stack up, but the first race that I did was survival of the fittest, a coast mountain race. And I came third and I was really happy about that, um, behind some really, really good runners. And so your first race people like you've got veteran trail runners that have been doing this for a long time. And you came in third place. Of like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot. Dean and I did that race. We, I, we like, I was going to say, I remember, like, I remember the start line. It was just amazing, amazing story. We're all kind of close to each other. And we're like, oh, we'll run for it with Erin yeah. for a little bit. And then like, she'll, she'll take off and we'll just run together. <laughs> Literally, the gun, the gun goes and like, you just took off and we're like, well, we'll see Aaron later. I literally you never told me that. Oh, it was so funny because Zach, we, we kind of all like got to the front. You're like, come on, guys, let's go, let's go. So we like pushed up to the front. And I just remember it was like the first race like after COVID that they'd done. And so exciting. It was it was so exciting, but it was also this moment where we're all jammed up at the front. It's yeah. outside and it was totally safe, but it was like you it was this whole surreal moment of like, oh man, we're like back. This is the first race. And and then Gary like lets the gun go. And I just see you like take off and it was so funny and Zach and I like start going and then I just remember like Zach's like where's Aaron I'm like uh and I just see you like already so far ahead I'm just like she gone (laughs) she gone we're not catching her it was so good I hate those start lines I get so nervous and I'm really competitive and I just really I really am motivated by by the veganism and like wanting to do well and be like hey like I did I did this well and on a plant-based diet. And so I was hustling. Like we started on a bit of an incline and like got to some switchbacks (laughs) and it was uphill. A bit, she says. (laughs) Well, I was done. Like, and I remember like, I, like, I don't know if it was 15 minutes in, I was like, okay, I'm going to get my fuel. And I was, I brought dates and uh, it will actually I should have brought gels yeah. because I was sucking wind so hard that I thought I might choke on my date because it's hard to chew <laughs> I was you just chew I, it, it was like the priority was just powering up the hill yeah. and like not wasting any time yeah. you know yeah. I wanted to keep my lead or whatever I wanted to I was hoping to catch the second place and the first place or whatever but the first the work girl who came first was a professional runner he yeah does 100 kilometer runs and it's not too bad it to was come a, come third in your first race honestly. out of yeah. like hundreds and hundreds of runners um <laughs> just to give you more more praise because that's what we do like when we would run with andrea like andrea and i would often like power hike up the steep steep things and you're like i'm just gonna sprint up <laughs> and then when i ran with you the two of you because you're both such strong trail runners and i'm more of like more of a, a road runner you guys would fly downhill and I'd be like like so cautiously like <laughs> like stepping over all the roots and like taking my time. I'd be like, 
I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. Going down is hard. I mean, you do have to go slow. I mean, like, you're a big guy. I Did mean, you, you don't want to fall. And if you don't have a lot of practice, I do think those technical routes do take practice to get really comfortable at. So I slow down on the decline. I don't know. Well. The two, you and Andrea just dance. It's oh, just man. like, like, just like running freely flowing with uh-huh. with the, the ebb and flow of nature yeah <laughs> thank you don't so, feel that way but. so you kept doing some races and you got similar results like you podiumed in a bunch of your your first first bunch of races right yeah i won um dirty duo it was like less competitive race but for four trails that was in march and um and then i came oh it's two seconds behind we had like a race to the finish oh, Gemma um, Gemma and I in the Hallows Eve race also by four trails and um yeah I love I love racing though and hope to do more of that in the future but then then a major life event happened and <laughs> I just the, the running kind of fell by the wayside like I'm still very focused on working out but this whole past uh, the past 14 months have been very intense so before we kind of get into the bakery and, and the next evolution the continued evolution of Erin Ireland um, so you're getting these results in trail running but more importantly you're doing it on a plant based diet Yeah. how are you feeling like how is your energy level how's your recovery recovery um knowing how you pushed yourself on a mostly carnivore diet previously how did your body feel kind of pushing yourself to a very elite level with no animals just just fine i mean back in the day when i was eating primarily plants like i could not imagine running more than more than 45 minutes (laughs) you know like i i would just die like i i just couldn't do it um but i i was i'm now running like hours and just eating dates (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean dates like they're the best source of fuel or nut butter yeah i mean Mm -hmm. that is what that is what most people eat i mean kipchoge like the best marathon runner in the world eats oatmeal for breakfast yeah you know don't trust any of these like fake carnivore doctors online who say you say not to eat oatmeal like oatmeal oats are amazing did you see that reel that's so good (laughs) what did you yeah what did you have for breakfast this morning when you broke the world record he's like oatmeal (laughs) but but the 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 funny part is the 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 skeptical yeah paul saladino um is, like, say, is saying oats are not good for yeah. your oatmeal is not the breakfast of champions and then kipchoge's like i eat oatmeal for <laughs> yeah like world champion runner the what do you have for breakfast oatmeal greatest so runner good. of all time yeah. that okay, was a clip to share to? that you was know? so good that was so well done i eat oatmeal yeah. before like oh, fondos man. marathons oh, like, really? like what else that, are you gonna eat like, yeah. it's just like i like, feel like it's like fuel for endurance you know yeah Yeah. i mean i'm a toast person like i will always have two pieces of toast with any kind of nut butter on top before a run like that is what i need i feel like that and and, and i'm good yeah like that's my secret sauce i love it a little little sourdough with some for me it's like tahini Mm. bananas and i I went through a tahini phase too where i put tahini and then like cherry jam oh (laughs) yeah i kind of have a sweet too yeah yeah, it's good a little bit of jam on there tahini with something sweet is good yeah a little maple syrup Mm. Yeah. yeah Okay, so you're doing just fine on a plant-based diet. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so supportive. I mean, I I also feel like uh, very luckily, well, not luckily, but I don't, I really haven't gotten injured. I had one injury where I got my calf stuck between oh two wooden God. slats on a bridge and then I fell, like kind of torquing my calf. Ugh. And I was out for about six weeks, um, but that had nothing to do with... Um, Remember that you sent me pictures of the bruises you yes. had from that? You bounced back pretty fast from that, though. so bad, Yeah. Yeah, well, 
Maybe it was a plant-based Maybe diet. Maybe it was the, that anti-inflammatory, <laughs> those plants, you know? Yeah, but like I'm not, like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people who skips some of the things like stretching. As yeah. I get older, I do think it's more important to focus on that. But um, I've, yeah, I felt great, full of energy, absolutely no complaints. And you're not like militant about your, like counting your... I don't count your macros. protein or your macros or your intake. You just like eat in a way that you feel fuels your body and makes you feel good. Yeah, I'm a little bit anti-counting. I mean, I know a lot of people do, and that's totally fine. You all have to do what's good for you, but I just don't like keeping track. I feel like I get too in my head. And and I do have a history. I have... I, I, after my university volleyball career, I was getting into broadcasting and I heard that you had to be really slim to be a, a sportscaster. And so I kind of went on this journey to like ditch my muscle. Like I was actually wanting to, um, I was doing some fitness modeling. <laughs> like I did a little bit of um, some photos for like women's bodybuilding and <laughs> it's funny to look at those pictures, but I kind of had it went on this, um, um, path to changing my body and getting slimmer and I had some very unhealthy eating for about five years and so counting anything um, I just feel doesn't work for me and I've, I, I now really believe in listening to my body so am I hungry eat something you know it, I, I really don't like to, to look at the labels but um, yeah I just really focus on whole food plant-based diet for the most part like maybe 80 20 I'm definitely all about the vegan junk food like 20 <laughs> percent of the time um and that's really worked for me. Yeah. I like that. I think that's really empowering to hear. I, I think we can get, like you said, kind of obsessed with metrics or numbers and look at how much new proteins in something, how many macros, counting all these things, and it becomes obsessive and, and totally. it's hard to like live holistically freely. or freely yeah. when you're yeah. when you're kind of restricted like that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if it works, if you listen to this and that's what you do and that's what works for you too, like power to you. We all work differently, yeah, but um, I agree. I'm with you. I think eat when you're hungry, eat what makes you feel good. And I eat so much. I, like I eat so much, but I've, I, well, that's one thing I love about a plant-based diet when you are eating ma- mainly whole food plant-based, like you can have bigger portions because the foods are generally less calorically dense you know I'm talking and I'm not necessarily talking about salads but I mean if you look at what's in a steak like calories and fat and saturated fat I mean all the bad things Mm. but it's very calorically dense um and so I just love having like I'll use the family salad bowl sometimes and make yeah. myself like Oof. a massive hearty I don't like what are we a bowl I guess yeah. you know it's got the grains it's got some beans or chickpeas it's got like the sauce and yeah you just enjoy that huge bowl to yourself mm-hmm. so satiating it yeah. is yeah it's okay. fun okay well um, I mean since we have Erin here let's maybe do one more chapter and then we'll we'll work on uh, courting her for uh, another round but hopefully it won't take three or four years this time <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you've done such a beautiful job organically growing your, your business and it's been so fun watching it grow from like your your apartment to this <laughs> incredible bakery that you have on Anaimo Street here in Vancouver to live for a bakery can we talk a little bit about building a brand um kind of this current evolution i think for people listening like i think it would be helpful to kind of know how how you built this brand like kind of your your 
beliefs in marketing or, or promoting things. Like for me, looking at it, it seems natural. I know a lot of work goes into it, but I feel like you lead with your heart and your ethics and your values <laughs> and, you know, the rest kind of follows suit. But it, it's so true. And I appreciate you using the word natural because, you know, as you ask this question, it's like I'm not that marketing expert or I'm not going to be on a marketing podcast talking mm. about all my tricks and tips. Like it really has been such an organic ex- experience for me, even from the very um, like the very beginning of banana bread. Like I didn't know if I was going to start a bakery. I I didn't even brainstorm the name to die for, which turned into to live for. You know, it was kind of like named by the people. Everybody's called it to die for. And that just became the name. And everything has happened so organically. Um, and there's no like marketing planning that happens, mm-hmm. you know, for the year or the month on a monthly basis. Like I... Um, I've always believed in having a really high bar um, for keeping the content interesting and informative. So I feel like I've always had a rule of like not making it um, focused on myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is about like from the beginning, it's been about the topic. It's been about like shouting out that to die for dish that everyone needs to try you know I've always wanted to be like a source for news for people and information and you know if it's like really entertaining that I'll share that as well so that's like within that realm of criteria but I've always had a rule of never starting a caption or even a blog post with the word I it's it's always about something else and I ask myself is it really interesting is it really informative um or really entertaining and so I and I, I don't just want to put kind of I don't want to put content out there for the sake of putting content out there um and I think people know that like I do it, it there's no um it's very natural and it has felt very organic to me so there hasn't been like this goal setting and brand building like it's always been um just following my gut like I'm really big on instincts um and and also really focused on just keeping the bar high for for products you know at the bakery like I never would have moved forward with the banana bread had it not been really extra special Mm -hmm. you know like it wasn't like it wasn't like I was sitting there and thinking okay I want to do something in the food industry like what's it going to be you know like the, the 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 demand almost had to be there first it wasn't like I started with nothing, started with an idea. It kind of, and I feel very lucky that that happened. Like when I was little, I never would have guessed that this would be my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if someone had told me that this is what I would do one day, I would, I would think that was pretty cool. But you did have the courage to follow these invitations to keep going. Because mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of people would just be like, oh, fun, like this person wants my banana bread and mm-hmm. then go become a lawyer or something like that. You know, like... <laughs> they wouldn't necessarily like fully pursue that window that was presented to them. Mm-hmm. And I think your courage and ability to to say yes and follow those things is 
going back to your what you said following your gut like being mm-hmm. like oh okay let's see where this goes thank you well i also don't consider myself a big risk taker which <laughs> which is funny i mean it took me 13 years to have this brick and mortar bakery mm-hmm. which wasn't always the vision or the goal you know like it really kind of had to be right like i never would have opened a location if i hadn't find the right place you know like we were casually looking like years ago but it wasn't perfect and we finally found the perfect place that was big enough for the wholesale production and had a little cafe storefront so it really just like all fell into place it was like it was meant to be but if we hadn't found it like we wouldn't have the storefront we would have just continued on with the wholesale and who knows like maybe i would be more focused on um maybe the blog you know like i am still really passionate a big part of my activism is recipe stories Mm -hmm. and inspiring people with um like dinner ideas you know I feel like that's a big question nobody knows what to make for dinner and so I love to share what I'm having for dinner and sprinkle in activism throughout the stories Uh, but I think Instagram stories was like a really big um, kind of um, another big part of the story mm-hmm. like that's where my following really grew is the dinner stories and like the the step-by-step food stories yeah. I feel like not many people were doing that 10 years ago now everyone's doing it and not to say I started it at all but it was just less it was um it's different now like yeah. there's like these fast videos and yeah. everyone's doing it so well I'm not doing it well like I don't know I, I don't I can't even make these slick beautiful well-lit videos anymore <laughs> mine's are just like me cooking in the kitchen with one hand yeah. like I do like to keep it really real Mm -hmm. and I think people can see that like I really I'm so bad at faking anything like you can tell you can totally tell like I'm really an open book and um and I you know I share snippets of my life and so I think people can just tell that what I'm gonna put out there is um is like worthwhile so I feel so lucky that Mm -hmm. um you know so far things have been going well and that the bakery has been you know successful over the course of the past year because i was definitely scared like i you know you always like there's a little part of yourself i remember your like first post or reel when it just opened and you're you said something along the lines of like i didn't know if like people were gonna come but like i know that like they would but like even you putting that in there like for me i just like smiled because it's like of course like of course people are gonna come and there's like this huge lineup right and it's usually the case but it was just is such a reflection of like that that vulnerability of like I'm doing something and I'm putting myself out there and like just that humanity of like there was never a moment where you were just so sure of yourself like oh yeah of course there's gonna be a huge lineup and that's never. just like again that's like the the genuine person that you are is like oh man I'm doing this I hope people show up and like love it as much as like I do and I yeah. just laugh because I'm like yeah it took so long to open it but obviously yeah like it was gonna be a thing yeah. <laughs> to this day like I go there and it's packed and I'm like it still feels like a pinch me moment every time I walk in and it's busy and I look around and sometimes I know a bunch of the faces and sometimes I don't know anybody mm-hmm. and I'm like, how did you hear of this? So like, cool. how? Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's a great community and yeah. it's a great neighborhood and we're so lucky to find that location. Mm-hmm. The menu's so good. I love going there. It's so hard to just like have one thing. I'll go there and I'll be <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to bring this for the family and then I like know. <laughs> Four things before I even make it to the car. That's the goal. Especially the yeah. devil baked croissants. Oof. Oof, they're so good. But I think it's really cool too. Like when you, when we just think of like the story that you've told here, like starting out and you've been making this banana bread, and like you listened to the feedback of the people that were eating it, and they loved it, and it kind of nudged you in this direction. And now it's kind of like full circle where you pursued that, and it became your passion, it became this thing, and now it's your career, and you're really just doing an incredible job. 
and you are now like nudging people in the way that like the kind of large voice was like, hey, this bread is so good. Like maybe you should do something like sell it or whatever. And now it's like you're nudging people to be like, yo, this bread is so good. This These baked goods are so good. And they're like animal product free. Mm. And so it's like a way, because I know lots of people who aren't vegan that go often and love it. And every time they're like, oh, it's so good. Or I love that banana bread. Or I love this. Or I love the croissants or whatever it is. And it's so cool because they may not be like fully plant-based or fully vegan or even like considering it, but they know like that it's so good and they Mm. want, they want it. They want to be part of it. And I think that's really a testament to like what you're doing with the cafe, but also like with the dinner stories, right? Like here's how to make soy curls or here's how to make like, I remember a couple years ago, it was like the father's day, like ribs. (laughs) Remember that? And it like blew up. Well, like we made it. And then I remember seeing like, I told Zach, I was like, yo, and he's like, we made it. And then like four other people I knew, like all tried it. My mom made that too. Yeah. It's it's like a domino. Totally. So it's just so, that's like the effect, right? From like, yo, make this bad bread. It's so good. And then now you're making food and people are, are trying it and seeing it. And so it's just cool to see the impact, right? That, that, one dinner story could have thank you yeah why i've always felt like whether a dish is vegan or not is not the determining factor of if it's going to be delicious you know like we are so motivated to make baked goods that are extra special and that are more delicious than like the old-fashioned traditional baked goods filled with animal products so i think because of that motivation we just try a little harder i don't know like I mean, we have an amazing chef. Our croissants are, a lot of people say that they are just as good or better as what you'll find in France. And, you know, he was trained in the south of France. We're making the, we're using the same techniques and, you know, all you need to do is find the right vegan butter and like we use just egg wash on top. But, um, you know, I think it's like the mission that motivates us. Like so we're trying hard. We're trying hard. Yeah. You know, we ha- we do have something to prove. I feel so. like it's getting better. Like the started at great. And every time I go and it's like, we just got, um, my parents came in to get a cake last weekend for my dad's birthday. Yeah, I saw them. And it was the best. I've had like a dozen of your cakes. That was the best one. I'm so like, it just keeps know. getting better. Oh my gosh. I love to know that. And my parents thought the same. Like, whoa, this is like <laughs> the best one. Like it was so rich and, and delicious. Oh, that's yeah. so great. I love to hear that. It, yeah, we do. Always, you can always improve, right? Yep. In the future, so, is every month you're. I'm, I'm like, she just keeps raising the bar. So I can't take all the credit. Like we do have an amazing team, and I could. I. I mean, I'm overwhelmed as it is, and you know we have an amazing team, and um, so I definitely couldn't do it alone. And the features are definitely a big focus. I think that. I always want new things like I get bored I want to try something new so we try to have features as much as possible like croissant features with a new pastry cream filling or topping and so we're going to try to do those even more um, frequently amazing yeah can you speak on uh, business as activism business as like an ethics based place because I think you know a lot of people get lost in just like capitalism they're like bottom line bottom Mm -hmm. line profit 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 and that's their their why is to make the money but like your business is is a form of activism there's a clear value system there's a clear why to to what you're doing i think that our prices are actually lower than many because we are not in this to get rich you know like it's we are we are we 
don't love that capitalistic world and mentality and so we want our price points to be accessible and we don't like unfortunately there are a lot of vegan processed foods out there and products that are the prices are jacked up because vegans will pay that price but mm-hmm. we actually exist for the non-vegans you know like the vegans are our kindred spirits and obviously it's for them and we donate to a lot of groups um, who are doing activism and you know some of the sanctuaries but um we're really playing the volume game mm. like our breakfast sandwich is a croissant breakfast sandwich with arugula just egg and violet cheddar and it is 750 it's crazy like it is like that is the same price as like a starbucks latte it's cheaper than a and w <laughs> like a and w so i mean to get a beyond meat burger for my kids it's like uh it's expensive you know yeah and we're not getting cheaper prices than other people you know like but we we think that anybody who tries that sandwich which is our best seller now will absolutely rethink um everything they know about <laughs> vegan food like it will change your mind we've had so many people come in bring their non-vegan partner not tell them it's vegan buy them the sandwich not tell them anything until they're done and then you know the partner loves the sandwich and then they re- reveal that it's plant-based and i think you going into it with that kind of mentality not knowing is the best way you mm. know you're going to have it with an open mind um but I also think that like the vegans especially or I mean a lot of people they can tell that this is more than a business for us Mm -hmm. it is um, it is an avenue for change and there are touch points throughout the cafe I think that show that as well like on our creamer station we have a little graph that shows the environmental impact of all the different milks Um, obviously dairy milk is dramatically um, uses up the most resources plant-based milks just use so much less in comparison we have a little qr code um that takes people to the video dairy is scary as you mentioned and um you know we do we just and we have a little note that says you know if you're curious why we don't serve dairy watch this video because we're uncomfortable with the dairy industry's practices and there's mm-hmm. just nothing we you couldn't force us to support them um, we also don't put the word vegan on the front door because you know, a lot of people will probably walk by and think, oh, that's for the vegans. But, you know, we're just a bakery. Mm-hmm. We're like any other bakery and that we just don't happen to use animal products. So we want to be compared uh, to all the other regular the bakeries, you know, like yeah. you don't have to mention that we're vegan. I think the vegans will find us. The vegans know we're here. We're mm. there for them. Um, but we really want to to change the hearts and minds of the non-vegans and show them how delicious it can be. It's cool. There's just so many cool things you're doing, but it's really cool that you're modeling all of this for two two young ladies as well. <laughs> two My crazy girls. girls. The crazy <laughs> girls. I know they're oh. wild and, and have lots of energy and oh it's cool that they get to see their mom, you know, go kick kick butt on the trail and races and build this business and, and like show young young girls and young women what's possible for for moms and for yeah. for, you know, what what parents can do in this world that's it like i think that when we can all think back to our childhood or whatever but you know we're all parents at the table it's like you know your kids just see you as like mom who's doing this and makes me go to bed and (laughs) but then like when they get to the when they get to the age where that kind of like realization comes like oh not everyone's mom is like this like what a cool moment that will be you know for them to be like damn like 
She, you still may annoy me, mom, but like, it's pretty cool. And then even further down the line to when they're at the stage of like career and this to be like, whoa, like it's just, I find every stage that you get it, you're like, you have this newfound appreciation for like what your parents did and you see them in a different light. And I think that that's really neat too. It's that, you know, this stage of life that we're kind of all in at various stages with the ages of our kids, like it's the thick of it and we're just like sometimes it just feels like oh my gosh survival mode like you get home at the end of the day and it's like enough to just to try and have some halfway decent conversation with the person we live with yes and then you get up and you do it all over again but yeah. at the end of it for them to look and say wow like this is a cool legacy that like our mom has started and i just think that's that's awesome what an inspiration for them Thank you. That yeah. will be so special. And I always hope that they're going to work there. Yeah. How, and <laughs> I again, can't how cool. Wait, like yeah. when you're 13, please. like Get to work. They're going to be the fastest little worker on the POS. You know, they're just yes. going to take orders. Kids are so fast. Like we have some high schoolers that work with us and they're so fast. They like they're so it. great on the POS. Your yeah. girls will be fast. Oh, oh yeah. I can't Your youngest wait. daughter will be very fast. Oh. Like slow down. <laughs> not so fast. It's hard to have them there though because they just want treats and they don't know when to stop. So they want a treat and then they want another treat and they don't understand. No. So, you but know, they're so we... good, Bob. <laughs> is, it, is it hard to balance the, the parenting with the business, with trying to have 10 minutes for yourself to lift a couple of weights or go for a run around the block? It, it has been. And it's funny because if I was giving advice, I would definitely advocate for gotta focus on yourself first get your self-care you can't give to others unless you give to yourself but sometimes in life I think there are crunch time moments and Mm -hmm. I feel like this has been a crunch time year for me and it has felt like um it's been hard to do it all at times um give my dogs a great life be present with my girls spend a lot of time with the girls I, I you know I when I'm at home I I want to be at the bakery and when I'm at the bakery I want to be home with the girls like Mm. I want to be in multiple places at once but we're starting to get to a place like I I don't feel like I have to be at the bakery all the time anymore for the first four months I think I worked seven days a week every day like not realizing that I was going to reach a point of burnout yeah um but where was I (laughs) balancing it all balancing taking care of yourself first being in a crunch time yeah, I feel like I am looking forward to getting back to more trail running and more um, more time for myself. But the bakery has been the focus. Yeah. And I think mm. it's one of the reasons that um, like the first year has been so great. Like I think it's so important for the owner to be there. Some people ask if we're going to have another location or I've been asked to franchise it. And like the answer has been no, because I think it's just so important to be there. I've seen other businesses succeed because owners have been there and people Mm -hmm. see them there and they know that they care. And when every time I go there, there's little things I notice that I'm like fixing or improving or Mm -hmm. like talking to customers. That has been one of the best parts of the past 14 months. Like the number of conversations that I've had where I just you know, want to hug the person at the end, or I feel like I've made a new best friend. You know, I've connected to so many people and people from all over. I met um, a really nice vegan girl from Cornwall the other day. She and her family were visiting from England. And, you know, it's just so cool to connect with this global community because mm-hmm. I really feel like the vegan community, it's its such a global community. You know, like how many of us are there? What, like less than 5%, right? Yeah. So I think we seek each other out when we're traveling. Darren and I choose our 
travel destinations based on the vegan friendliness of a city and I think other vegans do too so it's been a place of connection um it's definitely been one of my favorite parts but it's hard like it's really hard to leave like I never want to leave because <laughs> every time I go even if it's for a short period there's some touch point that I have with with somebody even if it's um I recently met someone who owns a seafood restaurant nearby and they have advertised that they have live seafood mm. and this person was just raving about the croissant and the cappuccino and she was so friendly I mean she's been in business for 20 years and we were just sharing her business stories and she was so lovely and complimentary and I don't know if she knows what she was eating as vegan I really don't think she knew but like it was so nice to connect with her you know what I mean and you know maybe one day we'll have that chat maybe she'll mm -hmm. ask more about her products or well, it's a good way because you try it and you're like oh wow this is amazing and then it leads to you know conversations absolutely yeah and I don't shy away from those conversations like I'm very my activism is very open-minded and gentle and understanding because I didn't go vegan overnight and I was such a an eater of animal products for so many years and I know that a lot of people are you know just so used to it and maybe addicted in some ways um, but I, I love having those conversations and I'm not scared to tell people that you know why we do not offer cream or milk on the on the creamer station you know i will gently share in a very very nice way and that has definitely started some great conversations that have ended really well they've mm. all ended well plant yeah. those seeds of curiosity and you never know where it'll go Absolutely. maybe it'll, in the future erin island that's some div one athlete somewhere is trying to <laughs> banana bread and being like well yeah it doesn't have to have eggs and dairy it doesn't. Yeah, it yeah. really doesn't. It's 2024. There we go. Well, now. there's a few things that I'd love to jam pack in. Maybe we can just like get a couple PowerPoints while we wrap this up, just because I want people to know about what's what's going on. Can you give a quick, quick kind of uh, Cole's notes? People don't know what Cole's notes are anymore, by the way. Oh, it's like I do. a millennial term that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who like, doesn't know? Like younger people. Oh. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm the kids. I'm forty. The, the, the kids, kids these days. The kids. Um, you have an Italy trip coming up with Lauren yeah. Toyota. Yes, I'm so excited about that. It's um by the Getaway Co. Uh, founded and run by Amanda, who's a really good friend of Lauren's. And so we are hosting this trip to Italy. It's an entirely vegan trip. I'm so excited. It's seven days, and um, we we're gonna be in this villa, and we have a private chef. So he's cooking every meal for us, wow. and then we go into Terre, and so all of the meals are planned at like vegan or vegan friendly spots and and there are 20 guests and all of them but one are women <laughs> and I'm just so excited to meet everyone and connect with everyone and I was so thrilled that the trip sold out in four days wow. which is I think like the fastest it sold out and we are we were considering doing a second week you gotta do, um, a, do, do a second one maybe well, I think it was it was going to be too hard for me to leave my family for that long, but uh, we're planning 2025 cool. and maybe some other destinations. So it's okay. I'm so excited to to work with them. Amazing. And um, Dean and I love talking about uh, the commune vision, the oh. vision of this like communal living situation. And I know you have a dream about, you know, evolving and growing to live for to maybe include an animal sanctuary yes that is my dream i don't want to do another location i just want to do a farm sanctuary slash dog shelter i feel like 
there are so many great sanctuaries, but I feel like a lot of them are at capacity. And I, I really feel like we could do this well and we could actively be rescuing animals. You know, there are auctions that are happening every week and these animals could be rescued. And so I want to build a home for them. So, you know, Darren and I, we, we do look at like property and I'm hoping something could fall into our laps because we cannot afford that kind of a thing. But I just, I'm trying to manifest it. And I, there are obviously so many dogs as well who need homes. The shelters are overflowing. Um, and so I really, I, I'm I'm also a big advocate for rescuing dogs as opposed to shopping and going to a breeder. So um, I would picture having two sides of it. I picture building this beautiful facility, this beautiful barn, and, you know, maybe a stream running through it, and maybe even having a little hut, a little pop-up where we could deliver some baked goods from to live for. Maybe this property is in the valley, and, you know, we have a little outpost, and it's a place for people to connect with animals and kind of maybe start their vegan journeys or have some seeds be planted. I love it. That's to live for would help fund it. That's the other thing. So I go. we've always we are always donating to animal rights organizations, and um, so it would be cool to, you know, just continue to grow the bakery and funnel some of those proceeds towards the sanctuary. I love it. I really. I mean, I think this will all come to fruition at some point. Knowing you, and once there's a vision in your mind, I feel like there's no no denying that vision. So mm-hmm. I feel like you're on that path and. Uh, you know, it's it's. I think you embody the the purpose of this podcast of creating a little more good in the world mm-hmm. through through all of your actions. So thank you. Does this lead us to the final question? Oh, should we do it? <laughs> we, we haven't always been. Do doing you want that me lately. to intro it for you? Yeah, intro it. Did I you? know. Have you heard it? We started this podcast because we wanted to create a little more good in this world, <laughs> and we always like to ask our guests, "What does a little more good mean to you?" That was great. What does it mean to you? You're hired. Well, had some time to think. A little more good to me. I'm going to go very literal. It just means making little moves towards a more vegan lifestyle every day. It could mean skipping the cheese when you're ordering a sandwich. As a vegan, it could mean asking for the vegan options at a restaurant even if you know they're not there because they're going to plant a seed that server is going to go talk to the the owner you know mentioning that you're vegan telling your vegan story you know just bringing it up i think any vegan um is a walking example of um you know what it can what how healthy it can be and how normal it can be and i really just think that there's no action too small because it's all going to add up Really? Reaction too small. So good. I love that. I love that. That's quotable. Yeah. I'm saving that one. <laughs> no action. Okay. Thank you. Surprise last question since you nailed that oh, one. What? What's for dinner tonight? Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Here's what's for dinner. Cauliflower shawarma. Ooh. Let's go. With uh tahini parsley cilantro sauce with a little bit of olive oil. We're gonna roast the chickpeas and the cauliflower in like a lot of spices it's going to be cumin curry powder paprika um salt pepper and uh on rice i'm so hungry i feel like i feel like like when we do a follow-up we could just like talk about all your favorite recipes and places to eat okay talk about your favorite (laughs) books and podcasts and tv shows true crime all that stuff oh gosh um, bad habits 
Do you think, uh, I know you haven't been training as much as you did in past years, but Grouse Grind, do you think you can, you're going to top your, your, uh, can you just, I'm always so, I like to brag about how fast you are. Actually. So people know how, how, how strong vegans can be. Can you just like give a little humble brag of how fast you are on the Grouse Grind? <laughs> I almost died when I did. I mean, I was trying to make, break my record. And, uh, so my, my best time, um, was 3604. So maybe maybe next year Amazing. I do want to focus on it a bit more. I like climbing. I try. I tried to like do. I was like Aaron did it, and then I was inspired to go, and I did it like thirty-seven something, and I felt so ill, like I was so dizzy, <laughs> and felt like I was gonna pass out at the top. Like oh. I felt like I was gonna fall backwards for like the last quarter. I'm like just keep going, but I was like spinning out. Maybe that's what happens when you give it your all. Like I Give kind of all. like I yeah. At the end, I. Definitely collapsed and allowed myself to recover, but it's incredible. It's so, so people awesome. listen to 36 minutes grouse grind. If you've ever done it, you know, you know. how insane that is. So. <laughs> I remember my best in my best shape. I was running up there and I was like trying to break like sub sub 40, and then I remember it was like midway through the summer or whatever. And Zach had told me what you did, and I was like, "That is so amazing!" And it was like the three quarter mark, and I'm like 36. I'm like, "Damn it, Aaron's <laughs> at the top already." Oh, <laughs> Aaron's oh at the God. top. <laughs> You're racing me in your oh, mind. Yeah. I, well, it wasn't much of a race. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so fun, Aaron. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you so much You're for having best. me, guys. I love you. Yeah. We did it.